for checking out this message from Spring Mountain. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, swimmountcf.co.uk. Or join us every Sunday from 11am at Abbey Road in Barrow and Furness. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, then please email prayer at springmountcf.co.uk. Even say, I'm looking lovely today. Okay. Uh, anyone find that difficult to do? Anyone struggle with that one? Okay. Those who didn't, just put your hand up if you didn't find that difficult to do. Oh, very self-confident people. Okay. Yeah, Raymond and Tim there, you know. There's no truth in the rumor that Brazil are going to be in the Eurovision Song Contest next year after Australia's entry recently, and Tim's going to be their entry after last week's audition. So, uh, yeah. After last night's performance, you could represent anybody, Tim. Okay. <laughs> um, this morning, we're talking and carry on with our series of Enemies of the Heart. Last week, I was really encouraged um, by some of the feedback I got, and, and it was really, really good, um, because I don't always feel great. And actually, one of the enemies of the heart we're looking at today is self and actually, if I asked you to think of all the phrases, all the words that has the word self in it, what would you come up with? Selfish, Selfish yeah? It's either something that you do or something that the fishmonger does, yeah, okay. Um, very, the old ones are the best. Self-esteem, self-confidence, Tim and Raymond, yeah. Um, selfless, self-awareness, self-obsessed, self-belief, self-centered, self-conscious, there's not many positive ones, really. There's a lot of negative ones in there. Self-sufficient. That could be positive, but it could also be negative because you might not accept help from anybody. Self-assembly. <laughs> there is no such thing, okay? I have never seen Flatpak just assemble itself. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. Okay, well, today we're thinking about self, so I don't want you to be self-conscious, but if you turn to somebody else and say, I'm looking great today, and you're confident about it, well done you, okay? But actually, self, self is a real problem. In fact, I can remember as a, as a young boy going to Sunday school, and the word, old, the old-fashioned word that we still use, really, for, for our mistakes and the things that God doesn't like is sin. And I don't think it's coincidental that I is right in the middle of sin because actually I is the thing that often separates us from God ourselves our own selves so this morning we're going to be looking at some passages linked to that you know who owns a selfie stick anyone own a selfie stick a few people okay put who uses a selfie stick oh okay right uh, I we are obsessed we're obsessed with selfies we are a, a, a generation Obsessed with selfies. You know, you can go to the most beautiful place on earth. You can go to the, one of the seven wonders of the world. And instead of taking a photo of the one of the seven wonders of the world, it's like, get me in front of it. Everybody, I want me in front of it. Yeah, you want to show where you are, but surely taking a photo shows where you are. But actually, you end up blocking that wonder of the world because you're so obsessed with self. My daughter gave me lessons. Apparently, the perfect way to take a selfie is to say the words prune. Okay? Apparently, is that right? And you've got to get the camera above there so it doesn't show your double chin off. Um, and you've got to look at the camera and smize. That means smile with your eyes. Okay. Take the photo from up here and you go, poon, poon. <laughs> I'll try it now, ready? Poon, poon. Okay. Jeff, you looked lovely. Absolutely lovely. You know, selfie sticks have started being banned. 
the band on rides at Disneyland, the, ride, the band in many, many cultural places because people are just either falling to their deaths or actually they are damaging things because they're so desperate to get the perfect photograph of themselves. And so selfie is the nature, selfish, and we're still not happy, you know. Anyone ever go sunbathing and get annoyed because the person next to them puts an umbrella up and blocks their sun? Or even worse, you might be sunbathing, catching some rays, and somebody comes and stands there having a chat, and all of a sudden you're left with a... Is that a personal experience? <laughs> okay. <laughs> all of a sudden you're left with a shadow of your wife over your stomach where you were wanting to get your, you know, the rays on your amazing six-pack like I've got. Um, but someone comes and stands in the wrong place and casts a shadow. It's annoying, isn't it? Yeah, it's annoying. And this morning, I want to think about this thought that when we get in the way of the sun, then we cast a shadow that leaves others in darkness. When we get in the way of the sun, and you can spell that two ways, S-U-N or S-O-N. When we get in the way of the sun, we cast a shadow that leaves others in darkness and stops them from experiencing the warmth and light that's available. That is the enemy of self. When we get in the way of the sun, our shadow blocks the light. When we get in the way of the sun. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read five verses. We're going to read it in the NIV, and then we're going to read it in the message. The NIV first. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 20 to 24 say this. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. In other words, the old way isn't the way you learned. When you've heard about Christ and were taught in him, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness." Who likes getting a new wardrobe? I don't mean the actual self-assembly stuff, Chris. I mean the actual clothes. Who, who enjoys getting new clothes? Yeah, because it feels fresh. We feel like a bit of a new person. People love to buy new clothes. Even football fans change their shirt at least once a year. You know, even football fans will change their shirt once a year because we can't wait to put on the new. We might have liked last season's style, but now we want the new. We want that new one. We want to get it because we want to look the part. You know, you've heard about our sock bag before, but we have a, a, a situation sometimes in our house where the, particularly the male members of the house will put on socks that are full of holes. And then they'll take them off and be told, throw it in the bin, it's no good. And sure enough, it comes back again. And the hole gets bigger and wider and the sock gets worse. There's more hole than sock sometimes. And I don't mean the hole you put your foot in, Corey. I mean the holes at the other end, okay? They keep finding the way and the holes will just get better. In fact... I heard of one celebrity on the radio who doesn't even wash his socks. He buys a new pair because he's worked out it's probably cheaper for him than washing and collecting his load. He lives on his own. So he buys new socks instead of washing them. Not sure if that's environmentally correct in this day and worth. But Paul in Ephesians says the old is getting worse. The old way of life is getting worse. You don't stay the same. You don't remain in one place. If you keep putting on the old way of life, it will only get worse worse. It will only deteriorate. It will only corrupt. You know, it's a bit like an old jumper. You might have an old jumper that's been snagged and pulled and keeps getting holes in it, but it's so comfy. Yeah? 
it's such a favorite jumper. You like the style of it. You like the design. And you want to keep putting that old jumper on, even though your wife, your husband, your mum, your dad, whoever says, you need to throw that away. It's no good. It's looking scratchy. It's, looking, it's not going to get better unless you take it to Auntie Shirley and she works miracles. But it's not going to get any better. You need a new jumper. You know, it's not just staying bad but decaying. It's getting worse. You've got to take off the old and put on the new and stop putting the old back on. Ephesians 4, 20 to 24 in the message version says this. That's no life for you. The old is no life for you. It's no life. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. I'm going to stop there. We can't say, oh, I didn't know that that was bad for me. (laughs) I didn't know that that wasn't going to do me any good. Because actually we know, don't we? We don't need our mistakes pointing out. We don't need anyone to come along and say, that's not great. That way of life, that way of living, it's not good. We don't need it because we know. That's why we get so touchy about it sometimes when somebody does point it out. We know it's not good. I know it's not good to stand by a buffet table eating cake after cake after cake because I will need a new wardrobe and it won't make me happy because it'll be a bigger wardrobe. I'm struggling at the moment. I'm getting there, but hey. If you've been coming to church for a while, you'll know that we talk that Jesus promises freedom, yeah? Yeah? Jesus promises breaking chains. Yeah? Jesus promises throughout his word life that is the best. Do you agree? Yet so often we keep going back to the old. So often we say, that's the way I've known and I'm going to stay there. Well, this passage says we can't get away with ignorance. We can't go, oh, I didn't know. Because we do know. We do know that the old is not going to do us any good. Whatever it may be, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a drug, whether it's shopping online, whether it's any of those things, we know that that old way is not going to do us any good. It'll either lead us into debt or it'll lead us into illness, or it'll lead us to death. Jesus promises life. The old needs to go. It goes on to say this, but God does expect, I've just lost my place, that we know what's best and the old way of life needs to go. I've brought some mugs with me today, and I don't mean the people I brought in my car, okay? <laughs> Thank you for doing the chairs, those people. Lee and Mark and, uh, and Tabby, Corey, oh, better look next time. Um, This mug here is my favorite mug, okay? I got this quite a few years ago. I'm sorry if you don't like Starbucks, but I like this mug. It was bought for me by Chloe. I like it not because it was bought for me. I do like that, but I like it because it's the perfect size. You get the right amount of drinking it. It, it, It's just comfortable. And I love it. And when Barry borrowed it, I wasn't very pleased. (laughs) But I love this mug, and if I have any choice in my cupboard of mugs, I will go with this one every time, because I love it. absolutely love this. My old mug. But it's getting a bit worn. You can see cracks appearing around it, and one day it will be no good. It's not going to stay new. In fact, it's quite a few years old. Now, recently, my friend Barry bought me a mug. It says Mr. H on it. He got one for Ros that says Mrs. H, amazingly enough. Now, I've got to think... Do I keep going with the old one that I really, really like? Or do I, when Barry's around, do I make sure I'm drinking from my new mug 
so he's not offended. And then I start thinking, oh, there's too many rules about mugs. There's too many rules going on. But actually, eventually, that mug will be no good. It's faded. It's no good. But actually, it's good to have the new mug. It's good to have the new mug. Because I know that actually I don't need to go back. Maybe that's not the best illustration. I've got a pair of trainers. I ran the Munich 10K in these. I know some of you are believe, some, yeah, yeah, some of you are thinking, how did he run? Um, but I ran the Munich 10K. You can see holes where my big toe obviously presses against the material. It's on both sides. You can see that. And actually, you can see there's holes in the side where I've scraped it. They're looking a bit shabby. They're probably, they don't smell too bad. Um, do you want to have a go? No? Okay. Um, the tread is wearing thin. You can see there's no tread there at all. And why do I keep them? I've not got an allotment, Jeff. So I can't say I'm going down the allotment. I can't say I'm playing in the mud anymore at camp because I'm not. And actually, this pair of shoes, if I wear them on street angels, I get soaking wet feet and very cold feet because they're next to no good. But they're quite comfy. They're quite comfy. But I've got a new pair of shoes. You know, these are snazzy, okay? These are nice. They've even got this little fancy thing in here. I don't know what it is, but it's comfy. They've got a support for my foot inside and uh, good grip on the bottom. They, they're good, aren't they? They're good. So why on earth would I keep going back to my old shoes? They're comfortable. But they get my feet cold. And I know, actually, they really should go in the bin. Because I need to stop putting them on and wear these. I need to wear my new ones because my old ones are a waste of time. So they need to go in the bin. I'm never going to wear them again. Sorry, Paul. I threw them that way because I knew you wouldn't be offended. <laughs> these shoes are far better. They promise the best. Still not the perfect example because, you know, these shoes eventually will wear out as well. And I'll have to get new ones. Jesus promises life that won't wear out. Jesus promises a life that is better than the old. The old one that's full of holes. The old ones that will get you wet and cold and miserable. God promises better. So stop putting the old on. Stop putting the old self on. Because that's what it is. It's a choice of ourselves. We're selfish. And that's what we want. We always go back to that same old thing. You know, some of us treat life and we can't use ignorance as an excuse. We can't say, oh, I didn't know. I know those shoes will get my feet wet. I know they'll get my feet cold. I know that the grip's not very good, so I'll probably slip. So I know that they're not going to be good. We know what to do now. The old has got to go. It carries on by saying everything, and this is quite strict. Some of us need to hear this this morning. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with the old way of life, has to go. That's what the Bible says. Not me. It's not Johnny Harrison saying this. Everything connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. It's rotten through and through. You know, don't throw it out and go back through the bins. Be radical. I'm, not, I'm going to chuck those. I'm not standing here now going, oh, but I want my shoes back. Oh, what if I've got an old job I need to do? I don't do any old jobs. <laughs> I'm lying to myself. You know, sometimes I've painted at the pavilion, not quite as much as Guy and Jeff and, and everyone else and, and Steve. But I need to stop going through the bins and dragging them back out again because they're comfortable. 
I need to die to myself because myself is an enemy. I need to stop the rot. It goes on to say, and then, not only are you getting rid of the old and getting rid of the rottenness, it says, and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct. It's not about behaving first, it's about belonging. And as God fills us, we will start to see a change and a transformation in who we are. If I said to you, are you the same person you were this time last year? Most of us would say no. We've got worse. No, most of us would say no, because God is changing us. I can see transformation in people in this room. I pray that God will, God will be transforming me, and I pray that you'll see that in me too. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Not self-character. Not self. Him. Not self. Him. When we get in the way of the sun, our shadow blocks his light. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 11 in the message say this. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. That's the people who talk the talk but don't walk the walk. We need to walk what we talk. It's no good coming on a Sunday morning saying, yes, Johnny, that's great, and then going back to what you're doing this afternoon. It's no good, but never get around to exercise it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. If you're just obsessed with what you want when you want it, it's a dead end. In fact, it's dead. It's just the end. God promises eternity with him, not a dead end. He promises life our shadow blocks his light. Do you know, I believe when we're about self, our heart can't be filled with Jesus. When we're about self and what we want, our heart can't be filled with him. You know, people, there's a video clip. Is there a video clip there, Ashley? Here's a video clip. It's a short one. It was one of the better ones I could find. And it links into last week's distraction, but it's about somebody wanting to be heard. Okay. What's all that about? Now, I don't know about you. I don't speak the language this gentleman is speaking. But I don't think it would matter, would it? All I can hear is the man making animal noises. Standing in front of the camera because he wants to be seen. He wants to be heard. But what you're hearing is absolute nonsense. Animals. Meowing. Woofing. Not only is he distracting, he's talking nonsense. You know, this morning, if that's all you take, your life and my life can either speak the truth about God... Or it can speak a load of nonsense. Our life can either be a, a light to guide others. Or it can just be a shadow that casts darkness and stops them from seeing the truth. You know, he was distracting from the news. Are we going to distract from the good news of Jesus? Are we going to distract from the good news? You know, it goes on in Romans to say this. Attention to God. And this is a great verse to remember. Attention to God leads us out into the open. Who wants to be in the open? Fresh air, space, 
open into a spacious, free life. Who wants a spacious, free life? Yeah. The promise of God says, if we pay attention to him, that's where it gets us. Into a spacious, free life. Some of you don't look really excited by that. I think it's quite exciting. We want to be free. You know? Freedom. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. And you might say, well, actually, I'm a Christian. I'm focused on God. But I believe sometimes we're a little bit squinty. We've got one eye on God and one eye on everything else that we want. One eye on what God wants. And on a Sunday, it's easy. Our eyes come into focus. It's like that eye appointment in the opticians. All of a sudden, God's saying, is it better this way or that way? Is it better that way or this way? And all of a sudden, our focus is right and we can see God for who he is. And we go out of here sometimes just, yeah. But then all of a sudden... Our eyes then go cross-eyed or, or squinted or, and we start to look at all the other things in life, the things that we want, the things we want to do. You know, I'll challenge us and myself here. When we're in a mood, I believe it's all about self. When we start taking it out of people, I believe it's all about self because it's about how we are. We're not feeling right. We're not getting what we want. We're not having the situation and the engagement we want. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God. Do you want to ignore God? Stop looking at self. Ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing. And God isn't pleased being ignored. God doesn't like being ignored any more than you like being ignored. It's horrible, isn't it? You know, when we are ignored and we're trying to get the message across, mums and dads, you know, when you tell your children something and they just don't pay attention, does it really frustrate you? Yeah, okay. Husbands and wives, let's not fall out, okay. It's not nice being ignored. Joe, God does not like being ignored, and yet many of us come to church and fix our eyes on him and then leave and ignore everything he said. Well, ignorance isn't good enough anymore. We need to die to self. We need to get rid of that old way that's going to kill us. And we need to move into freshness. Many of us ignore God and don't think it's a problem. Verses 9 to 11. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than him. You know, if God is in you, you can hardly think of yourself more than him because you will see and know who God is and what God does. Yeah? Who's seen somebody who is on fire for God? Who knows somebody who just oozes the Holy Spirit? Yeah? Those people don't get that way out of just pure luck. They get that way because they are focused and filled. Not with self that leads to death, but focused and filled on who he is and what he does. Marie said this morning, we're going to choose to praise. Paul said, I've decided I'm going to choose to be joyful. Even if things are difficult, because joy means thanking God for every moment. Joy doesn't mean walking around with a silly grin on your face. Although Paul might sometimes walk around with a silly grin on his face. <laughs> Joyful means knowing that you can thank God for every breath you have. Knowing that you thank God for every good thing in your life. Because God is good. God is good all the time. 
God himself has taken up residence in your life. You can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about this morning, it's simple. You have to say, God, I need you in my life. I need you to give me that newness. I want to put on your armor. I want to put on your spirit. I want you to live in me. And I want you to chase out that self that causes me to die every day. I want you to fill me and get rid of self. But for you who welcome him in, you Christians in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, this isn't that when you get filled with God, all of a sudden everything will be perfect. You will still experience the limitations of sin because we live in a broken planet. We live on a broken world that's fallen and walked away from the fullness of God. Even though you'll still experience it, you yourself will experience life on God's terms. If I was giving you terms and conditions, would you prefer Johnny Harrison's terms and conditions or would you prefer God who knows what's best's terms and conditions? Because the God who knows what's best said, get rid of the old. Stop casting a shadow on people. Instead, reflect my light. Instead, reflect my light. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. Yeah? Does that sound good? Yeah, it does. And it's possible. It's not pie in the sky when you die, if you like. It's here and now. His kingdom has come in us. And when we fill ourselves with him instead of ourselves... There is a life that bursts forward, and we need to do it every day. Those who are here on Tuesday know that. If we can slay the enemy of self-obsession or selfish want, then we can be fully alive. We don't do it on our own. We don't do it on our own. We do it because he is greater. He is bigger. He is amazing, and he wants to live in you. How amazing is that? That God wants to be in your life. And yet so often we choose self. You know, what was dead and rotten can be brought back to life, purified and made whole. Can you bring yourself back to life? No. If you're dead, you need somebody else. You need somebody else with a, a, an easy, a, a, the, 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 that's the one, defibrillator, thank you. My mind went blank, it's not in my notes, so I, I couldn't remember what it was called. Defibrillator. Yeah, you need somebody else. You need somebody doing heart compressions, mouth to mouth. You can't bring yourself back to life. So why do you think you can bring yourself back to spiritual life? Only he can give it. But he wants to give it. You just need to ask, ask, ask. And receive, receive, receive. Only God can make things right again. You know, Back to the Future is one of my favorite film trilogies ever. Anyone else a fan? Yeah, it's a great story, fantastic story. But there's one part in the film where Marty McFly starts to disappear. He starts to disappear and he can see through his hand as he's playing the guitar and he can see through, see through that and it's not good for him because something in his past has changed and it's making him become less and less and less. So much so that he starts to be invisible almost. 
I know it's not a perfect illustration, but something in our past has to change so that we become less and less and less, so that we become almost see-through and his light shines through us. Not that we block it with all our problems and all our issues, but we allow him to shine and radiate through who we are. I want to finish with a story from the Old Testament, the story of Ahab and Naboth's vineyard. Anyone know this story? It's a cracker, this one. Okay, Ahab and Naboth's vineyard. I'm only going to read four verses of it. 1 Kings 21, verses 1 to 4. And I'm going to read it again from the message because I love the way it sums it up. And when it talks about self, I believe this ties in with our moodiness sometimes. Okay, I'm, not, I'm trying not to look at anybody, honestly. I'm just talking generally. Okay, So if I catch your eye when I'm saying any of this, it's not because I'm aiming it at you, honest. 1 Kings 21, verses 1 to 4. Then to top it off came this. Naboth, Naboth the Jezreelite, owned a vineyard in Jezreel that bordered the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. One day, Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard so I can use it as a kitchen garden. It's right next to my house. So convenient. I love it. Brilliant. In exchange, I'll give you a far better vineyard. Or if you prefer, I'll pay you money for it. Isn't that the way of the world? They say, I'm going to give you something better. It's better than God. Nothing's better than God. I'm going to give you something better just because it's convenient for me. It's what I want. But Naboth said to Ahab, not on your life. So help me God, I'd never sell the family farm to you. Ahab went home in a black mood, sulking over Naboth the Jezreelite's words. I'll never turn over my family inheritance to you. He went to bed, (laughs) stuffed his face in his pillow and refused to eat. Any of us had days like that? Went to bed, stuffed my face in a pillow, and refused to eat. I'm not coming out to play today. I am not interested because I haven't got what I want. That's Ahab's attitude. Do you know we can have the spirit of God in our lives or we can have the spirit of Ahab? The spirit of Ahab is not a pretty one, is it? It's not a pretty one. It's full of self. And even if we only have a bit of that, a bit of it is poisonous. It's a little bit of rottenness. A little bit of rottenness. So self-important. He was only interested in what he wanted. He had no thoughts for others. And what happened? He got sulky and moody. That's what happened. That is self. That's the enemy of the heart that is self. When we get sulky and moody. Do you know, Jezebel, his wife, ends up sorting it out. How does she sort it out? Because she goes, oh, Ahab. What's wrong, Ahab? Have you not got what you want? I'll sort it out for you. And Jezebel arranges for Naboth to get killed, and Ahab gets his own way and ends up with the vineyard. What a happy story. Do you know, that's the enemy of self. It leads to death, not just for you, but sometimes for other people. Because we stand in the light and get the shadow of ourselves on other people. Do you know, with God's spirit fully in us, we can be fully alive. But if we're out for ourselves, then we're our own worst enemy. Sometimes you might say, but I'm not selfish. I'm not aware of myself. I am focused on God. But actually, it's always when that little bit of self creeps in that things start to change. You know, anyone here agree that you can't be a little bit dead? You can't be a little bit dead. Can you? No? You can either be dead or alive. You cannot be a little bit dead. And yet some of us try and live our spiritual lives a little bit dead. Because we say, I'll have a bit of Jesus... And that will make me a little bit alive, but I'll remain a little bit dead. We can't be a little bit dead. You know, if you had a piece of meat in your freezer that was a little bit rotten, would you eat it? 
Yeah. <laughs> there's a mix. There's a, Jake says yes. Let's have a show of hands. If you had a little bit, there's a bit, little bit rotten, would you eat it? Yeah. No. 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 Gareth would. Okay. The few people. Do you know these people who are really awkward and spoil my illustrations? Okay. <laughs> Just because they want their own way. No. It's all right. Let's get rid of the spirit of Ahab. Okay. We can't be a little bit dead. We can't actually be a little bit rotten. Because once something is rotten, it affects the whole thing. So it affects the whole thing. So you're either dead or alive. And we want our church to be fully alive in Jesus, yeah? Yeah? How does that happen? How do we have a church that's fully alive in Jesus? Any ideas? What, what, what do we need? No? Oh, pray? Yeah, yeah, it's good. That's the start. And Hold every thought captive to Christ. Eric preaching at the back. Excellent. I'll tell you how, okay, because it isn't rocket science. It starts with us, and I mean us as individuals. We cannot have a church that is full of Jesus' life if the people in the church, because the people are the church, because we're not just coming to church, we're being the church. We cannot have a church that is full of the life of Jesus unless you, 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 me, are full of the life of Jesus. So you're all saying, yeah, we want a church that's full of the life of Jesus. What are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? Because it's up to us to do something. Because we cannot be a little bit dead. We're either dead or alive. And this morning as we finish, we want to be alive and it starts with us. We can take off the old and put on the new. Many of you in this room have taken off the old and put on the new this year. That's brilliant. But we keep foraging back in the bins to put the old back on. We keep going back and out of church and going, oh, do you know what? I quite, I quite like this pair of trainers. I'm, I'm just going to take them back. I, I'm going to take them home. Because they might come in useful. They might, they might still come in useful. No. Well, Paul, my friend, you should be grabbing these off me and going, no, I'm not going to throw. I might hit somebody. We need to stop foraging in the bins. There's a quote for Facebook. Springmount Church this morning, stop foraging in the bins, that's what we're saying. I'm sorry if you have to, if you do, see us, because we do get Greg's food. Don't forage in the bins. We need to stop going back for the old self. And we need to chuck it as far away as possible. That wasn't very far, because I'm aware I could hit Steve and wake him up. <laughs> but actually, we can take it off on a Sunday, and we can put on the new that Jesus gives us and say, yes, I'm there. Or we can ignore God. And we can carry on being a little bit dead. And you've all agreed we can't be a little bit dead. We can't. So stop trying to be. Because God promises better. So as I finish, how big is our shadow? Are we casting a dark shadow over the people we meet because we're blocking the light of the sun? Or are we allowing ourselves to become less like Marty McFly, and allowing his light to shine through us and die to self because self is an enemy of the heart. Do we want people to see the light? We need to get out of the way of the sun and allow him to work through us, in us, and be who he wants us to be.